This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. How we doing? This is decent. That's fair. We'll we'll accept it for today. Uh, we're still we're still working on that. I've always wondered like, what if I just came up here and like stood here awkwardly silent, um, and then be like, oh, it's kind of weird that he's silent, and then maybe you know how I feel. Um, it's weird when there's silence. It's like, all right, cool. We're just all right. Here we go. So um, my name's Corey. Uh, one of the pastors. Mike is our other pastor here. Um, say hi, Mike. Hello. There we go. Um, so we, we moved here just to give a little background on, on who we are. Uh, we felt God calling us to plant a church uh, really for a while, but then uh, it was two years ago we felt God say, okay, now it's time to go. So we moved here, uh, our family did in the summer of 2017, so the summer will be two years. Um, we started building community groups and, and just building a community of people. Uh, and then Mike and his family moved here into December, January. Uh, and so we spent the first year really just building community. Uh, and, and starting different community groups around town. And then we launched services this last September, uh, September 6th, right? Is, am I getting that right? Okay, um, perfect. So we're, we're pretty new into this thing. Uh, we believe that, that God calls us to plant churches. Every, every letter written in the New Testament to Ephesus or Colossae or Galatia, you know, those are church plants. Those are churches that started, um, and, and that's how we get the bulk of our New Testament, or is letters written to church plants. Uh, and then from those faithful men and women went out to all people in all places and planted more churches, started more churches. And so ultimately, we can trace our history back to standing on the shoulders of faithful men and women in the book of Acts who said yes and went and started new churches that started new churches that started new churches. Uh, and we believe that is how the gospel will expand today still, is by starting churches. And so uh, we've been sent out. We are blessed um, to be here and to get started. Our dream and our prayer is that God will allow us to be here well beyond our years, um, but that this will also be a church that sends and plants churches um, around the world because there are way too many people who have never heard the name of Jesus uh, for us to just stay put here. Uh, and so that's our hope, that's our prayer. Um, and so that's just a little bit about who we are. Our mission statement is to lead people to life in Jesus. Uh, there's a lot of things that we all chase after in life and we try to grab hold of to fill us and satisfy us. And the reality is if we grab hold of anything other than Jesus, it is just going to fall through our hands and leave us broken and disappointed. Jesus will never disappoint us. Uh, he is true and faithful even when we are not. And we believe that we have life in Christ. And that is our hope, is that today, right here, right now, we encounter the living God and that our lives will be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that we will grow in that, and that that will expand to all people in all places. Um, and so I just wanted to give a little background uh, to who we were. So glad that you're here with us today. We know that there's plenty of places that you can go worship. Um, I just pray that the Spirit of God for, for today will speak to you, and that it will be His words that you hear, um, either in, in preaching or in song or in prayer, uh, that we'll hear from, from God. And so let's take a second. I want to invite you to pray uh, just in your own heart. Ask God to speak to you. Um, I think a lot of times we don't encounter God uh, at worship or, or at home, in part because we're really just not expecting to. Uh, if I'm honest, I, I come to church a lot of times or I sit down and open my Bible and I'm just kind of going through the motions because that's what you're supposed to do. And I'm just not expecting that God himself would speak to me um, and that I would encounter God uh, and so I just want to invite all of us to take a second uh, and just posture ourselves before God. He is living and active, and because of Christ, we have the confidence that we can boldly approach him. 
And so let's take a second and let's just pray and ask God to speak to us. And then we will jump into Ephesians chapter 3. Lord God, you are good. You are good. Whether we praise you or not, you are good. You are all that we need. Father, according to your abundant riches of glory and grace, and by the power at work within us, would you do far more abundantly than we can even think or ask? Lord, would you open our eyes to see you, our minds to believe you, and our hearts to love you? Would you let us know the sure and steadfast hope to which we've been called in the gospel? Would you let us know the treasure that you see in us, your glorious inheritance in the church? Would you let us know the immeasurable greatness of your power at work toward us? Would you strengthen us by the power of your spirit and root us deeply in the love of Christ that is far deeper and wider than we can ever imagine? And would you fill us with the fullness of your presence? so that our faith would be unshakable. God, it is only by your presence that we find life. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, Spirit, we invite you, we ask you to come and to speak to us and that your word, your living and active word, would cut through and would transform our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we ask together. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 3, if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there uh, with me. If you don't have a Bible, um, you, you could if you wanted to. There's some on the table. You could grab one. Um, if you don't have a Bible, if you don't own one, take one home. Uh, if you have a friend or a neighbor that doesn't have a Bible, take one and give it away. Uh, we, we will always have Bibles on hand because we believe that the Word of God is the only thing that is true from front to end in this world, and we just want people to have the Word of God. And so if you know someone who doesn't have one, Grab a Bible, take it, give it away. Uh, that is our hope, is for people to have the Word of God. So Ephesians chapter 3, um, a little bit about me. One of my favorite movies, uh, favorite style of movies. Any other movie watchers, like just to really enjoy movies? If you don't enjoy movies, I don't know what to do there. Um, but one of my favorite styles is the, the, the kind of the mystery where the, the conclusion unveils everything, and you're just like, I did not see that coming at all. Right, like I just, I, I enjoyed that, where I'm kind of like, huh, I didn't know that. The Sixth Sense, one of my favorite movies, um, He Was Always Dead. If I'm ruining that movie for you, that's on you. Like that is just, it's been out for a long time. I'm past that window. He Was Always Dead. Like I didn't see that coming at all, right? Um, another one is uh, the, the, the Prestige. Is that it? The, oh man, like we're just, it unveils everything at the end. You're like, huh, get out of town. Ocean's Eleven, um, really enjoyed that one. But just a movie where you, it just kind of unveils everything. Like, I did not see that coming at all. Um, Stephanie and I have started a, a tradition where uh, we, we bake cookies and watch movies um, on Sunday nights. Any movies that you can recommend to me in that kind of genre? Anybody? Any new ones? Say it again. Book of Eli. Book of Eli. Okay, cool. And any others? Just awesome. Great. The Book of Eli it is. We'll, 
We'll file that one away. You can always text me and say, uh, hey, this is a great movie. Um, Ephesians 3 is kind of like that movie where you just didn't see it coming. Where you're kind of like, what? Like, how? Where, when? When did that change? I did not see that coming at all. It's the chapter later in the book, in the story, where you just, it introduces this turn in the plot where you didn't see it coming at all. And so that's what we get in Ephesians chapter 3. So start in verse 1. Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. Let's stop there. Let's just do one verse for a second. For this reason. For what reason? What reason is he talking about? Now I want to I jump ahead real quick to verse 14, where Paul says the exact same introduction. For this reason. So many commentators believe that, that Paul was starting chapter 3, meaning to pray. So what we get in verses 14 through 21 is this prayer that Paul has for the church. So many believe that that was what he was intending to do, but then he says something that just kind of sidetracks him. He's like, oh wait, before I pray, let me get this other point in. It's, it's why it's okay for preachers to get long-winded because they're just preaching and they think of something else. Like, oh, I need to say this too. It's biblical. Like, that's what Paul did. And so it's okay for me just to keep talking and have a new idea because that's what Paul did. I'm just kidding. Mike always tells me, hey, dude, you got to wrap this up. Um, so anyways, for this reason, so I believe that the, what we'll look at next week, the prayer, that that's what Paul was wanting to get into was this prayer for the church in Ephesus. But he got a little distracted. He got a little sidetracked, and we get the verses before that, that that really he brings us back to. So what is this reason that Paul, A, gets sidetracked on, that, that he wants to pray for? What is the reason? And we have to look back into the verses that we just read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. And, and I'm just going to read that because I think that's how Paul wrote it, and that's how he wants us to know, to, to move into these next verses, is with these verses in mind. So Paul says, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus. That little word but changes everything. You were hopeless, you were strangers, you were exiles, you didn't have life. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. For this reason I, Paul, write to you. For this reason that there used to be a dividing wall of hostility, a wall of hostility that kept us apart from God. That wall of hostility is sin. 
But Jesus, through the death on the cross, abolished that wall of hostility that kept us from God, and not only that, abolished the wall of hostility that separated Jew and Gentile. So you remember last week we talked about there was literally a physical wall around the inner part of the temple, and, and signs on the wall that said, if you are a Gentile, you're ensuing death for coming any closer, that's on your hands. Like there was this hostility that kept Jew and Gentile separated. And then Jesus comes in and he crushes that wall. And the death of hostility comes through the death of Christ so that every person who unites under the name of Jesus is brother and sister. We have the same spiritual DNA. It doesn't matter what your background was. If we all take on the name of Jesus, there's no room for hostility because the hostility of Christ was enough. The fact that he suffered at the hands of hostile men means that you and I have to drop our hostility that we hold against each other. And it's only, it's only then when, when the, the, the different people come together under the name of Jesus that the church is built up and joined together. It's only when diverse men and women, ages and races and stories come together and, and, and you think like, why are these people friends? Because we all share the same spiritual DNA of Jesus. He is, he is the uniting factor. And when that happens, when that happens, then the church is built up in a way that God designs. And for that reason, for this reason is what Paul is writing about, is what he's continuing on in. That we have to be a diverse and unified body of followers of Jesus. It's his design. Outside of that, we are not doing what God designed us to do. For this reason, he goes on. And then he, he tells a little bit about his background. So he says, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. It, it, it's almost as if Paul, forget, like he, you know, sometimes you just get in a conversation and you're talking and then you're realizing that the people you're talking to kind of have no clue what you're talking about. And you're like, oh, I should, I should tell you maybe. Like, I should fill you in on these details that I just assumed you, you knew. And, and it's almost as if Paul is just kind of talking about his calling and then forgets, like, oh, well, maybe some of these people don't remember. Like, they don't know my calling. They don't know my story. And so he says, on, on behalf of you Gentiles, oh, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. Verse 7 also talks about this. Of the gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. Paul, Paul gets a little sidetracked in his conversation and just forgets that maybe these people don't know his story. And so he just takes a few verses to remind them of, of what God did to bring Paul in. So you'll note the passive approach of Paul. Like Paul was not the active participant in his story. He was the passive recipient of God's pursuit of him. And so one thing that we need to know about Paul is that he was not seeking Jesus. Paul was not at all wanting to know Christ, to follow him, and to live for him. He was not wanting to be a pastor and to plant churches and to ultimately give his life on behalf of Christ. That was not his desire. Matter of fact, he was actively moving in the opposite direction, persecuting those who followed Christ. The first Christian martyr that we read of in the New Testament, Stephen, gets, gets stoned to death. And it says that as the, the people who were throwing rocks at Stephen for believing Jesus, that, that as they took off their outer tunic, they handed it to a man named Saul who stood and supervised and approved of Stephen's murder. Saul is who we now know as Paul. 
Saul then gets permission to go to Damascus where he can persecute and arrest Christians who are following Jesus because his desire is to crush this movement called the way. Anybody who follows the way of Jesus, Paul is actively opposed to it. He is not seeking Jesus, but yet Jesus is seeking him and shows up and changes his life forever. The grace and the power of God steps in and changes his life and physically blinds his eyes so that his spiritual eyes can finally see what is true. Paul wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus blinded his physical eyes so that his spiritual eyes could finally see what is true. You know, sometimes um, God is going to allow physical trials and sufferings in our lives so that we can spiritually see who he is. Sometimes there's going to be physical, literal challenges and trials in our lives because it's in those moments where we hit bottom and we're forced then to look up and see spiritually who he is. Man, it's hard. Nobody likes it. But the good that God does through that, man, if God didn't show up and blind Paul physically, would he have spiritually ever truly seen? I don't know. But that's what he does. He steps up and he pursues Paul. And in doing that, he calls Paul, not only to follow Jesus, but then to be a missionary, a spokesperson of the gospel to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. That is Paul's vocation and mission in life. He says in verse seven, of this gospel, I was made a minister. The Christian church should always center around the gospel, always. Always, if you are wanting to be a part of a Christian church, a church that follows Christ, and the gospel is not the centerpiece, it is not a Christian church. It's a church of some sort, but it's not a Christian church. A Christian church centers around the gospel. And so let me, let me ask a question. I don't know if you want to write it down um, or type a note out, um, but, but answer this question. I, I'm a writer, and so maybe it's good to write it out. Answer this question for yourself. What is the gospel? Just take a second in your own mind, in your own heart, answer that question. What is the gospel? Because it is the centerpiece of this church and any Christian church. So what is it? What is the gospel? I'll give you just a second to think through that, write it down, type it out. What is the gospel? All right, so you may still be typing or writing, and that's okay. Hopefully you have enough written down that can continue your thought um, as we go. But um, th this is how I, I always say it. The gospel is the good news that Jesus came to fix what we broke. That, that's just the way that it sticks in my head. The gospel is the good news that Jesus came to fix what we broke. It's, it's that Jesus, God himself, came to reconcile us back into a relationship to give us the answers in life that every one of us are looking for. Colossians 1, it says in verse 21 and 20, 22, you who once were alienated, separated, and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. The gospel is that Jesus came to bring sinners back into a relationship with God. And the, we are all, we're all created with this, this unrest inside of us. We're all pleasure seekers, wanting to, 
to fill our lives with the most pleasure and happiness and satisfaction and joy in life that we can possibly find. Every one of us, that's how we're born. Every one of us, there's unrest in some levels in our lives. Like that's why we want, we always want more. We want, we want the next job, we want the next pay raise, we want the new car, we want a family, we, we want to find love. Like we just, we want happiness, we want pleasure in our lives. That's who we, that's how we're created. And that's not a, it's not a bad thing to desire and seek pleasure. Where we go wrong is when we, we chase for pleasure and satisfaction in the wrong places. We chase to be filled in things that ultimately cannot fill us, that, that are going to let us down. We were created for one purpose, one purpose, and that is to know, trust, and follow God with our lives. That is the reason the Bible says you and I are here. That's it. That is our purpose. To know, trust, and follow God with our lives. And in that, that's where we're going to find the perfect peace and joy and life that every one of us is looking for. Every one of us. We, we operate best when we operate according to the design we were created for. Just like everything that's created. When, it's, when, it, when we use it for what it's created for, that's when it works best. The same thing is true of you and me. We're going to find the peace and love and joy that we most desire when we operate according to the purpose we created for, to know, trust, and follow Jesus. But that's not where we live. All right, like we live in a broken, jacked up, messed up world. And our lives, each one of us, man, we can attest to it. Something is off. Something is missing. We, we need more in life. And the Bible calls that sin that when we choose to walk away from God and chase after our own things, when God says, hey, trust me, follow me, love me, and we take our eyes off of him, and we look at the fruit on the tree, and we're like, God, I know what you're saying, but dang, that looks good. I think I'm going to go this way. I think I'm going to choose to do my own thing. I think that I'm going to love this more. I think that I'm going to find more happiness in this, because God, this is tough right now, and I'm not feeling this very much. That feels like it can be good, so I'm going to go after that. All of us have done that. Every one of us. And so all of us stand before God guilty with a record of debt against him. But Ephesians 2 says God is rich in love for us. With a great, steadfast, relentless love, God pursued the ones that betrayed and rejected him. God pursued the ones that betrayed and rejected him. God pursued Paul, who is actively running the opposite direction from him. God is pursuing him in love, and on the cross, Jesus settles the debt of sin that we have against God. The full record of debt was nailed to the cross, and it was buried in the grave with Jesus. And when we trust him by faith, our sins are left there so that God doesn't remember our sins anymore. It's not that God can't remember. It's that when we trust God, God looks at Jesus instead of our sin, and he doesn't see our sin. He separates it so far from us that all he sees is Jesus covering us. That is a profoundly baffling concept because I find it really difficult to not see the sin in people. And yet I have infinitely sinned against God and his love is so great for me and the gospel is so great that he's able to completely remove that and not see that in me? How? 
And then Jesus rose from the dead and he walked out of the grave and he stood alive so that he could offer me and you a new life today and for eternity. For today and, for today and eternity. That's the gospel. That's what Paul centers everything around. Paul gets that. He understands that firsthand because Jesus came to him and forgave his sins and offered him new life. And Paul saw that with spiritual eyes and his life was forever changed. Forever changed. And that is what his ministry and this church has to center around. The answer that you're looking for if you've never trusted Christ, that's the answer you're looking for. And if you've been a Christian for one year or 10 years or 40 years, that's the answer you're looking for. It doesn't change. The gospel, it's, it's, it's everything we need. It's everything. But there's more. There's more depth to the gospel. There's more mystery and, and, and just wisdom and, and majesty to the gospel. And that's what Paul moves into next. He says in, in verse four and five, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit. Paul, Paul alludes to this mystery that, that they hadn't known for hundreds and thousands of years, but now they get to know it. The curtain is pulled back and the suspense is ended. There's no more suspense. And when we turn to the next chapter and it all, we see it. We see this mystery that they didn't see for hundreds and thousands of years. And so what is this mystery that Paul is talking about? Now, before we get there, I just, I think it's important for us to settle into the reality that God is mysterious. That, that God, by nature, is mysterious to us. And it doesn't mean that we can't know God. Because John says, that's why he wrote, John the, uh, wrote the gospel, John, so that we could know Christ and know that he is Lord. The, the Bible is God's revelation to us that we can know God. But at the same time, Isaiah 55 says that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're much higher and different and greater than ours. And so the fact that he is God and he is infinite and we are not and we are finite, there's going to be a little bit of a knowledge gap between us and God. There's going to be some mystery between us and and God. And that's where faith comes in, right? When it just doesn't quite make sense and we want the answers laid out before us and God says, trust me, I'm good and I'm working a good story in your life. Trust me. That's where faith comes in. And can, I, can we just be, be real? Faith is hard. Like really hard. I, I've just been kind of humbled of late. Like I'm tired of faith. I just really want to live by sight. If God can just make it really easy and tangible for me, I would greatly appreciate him doing that in my life. But he wants to stretch our faith and he wants to grow our faith. And so if today is not the day, the day's coming when you're going, time out, whoa, hold up, what? Like, God, are you there? Have you abandoned me? Are you real? Is this, is this what your plan is? So don't, don't be surprised when your faith hits that point when it's a struggle and it's hard, that's okay. I think, I think in this last season, I haven't been shy about this last season of my life, has been miserable. Like it's been really, really dark. And, and, and there's been many times, like if you were to read my journal and it's pick some of these entries, you'd probably be like, is this guy a Christian? I'm not sure. Um, it's just been hard. And I think if I could give you some advice, 
I always want to like find the answer and get everything. And Stephanie hears me all the time. I'm like, what do I do? What's the answer? I think sometimes what you do is you just don't quit. Like you just don't quit. Like don't try to solve it all and don't try to do the magic formula. Just don't quit. And what's going to happen is in you not quitting, God, without you even realizing it, is just pulling you along and pulling you along until one day you look back and you're like, ha, like I made it through that. Because that's what God does. And so my encouragement when faith is hard is just don't quit. Keep doing the routine that you've built. Keep coming to worship. Keep opening his word and just trust that in that God by his spirit is going to pull you through and build your faith up to be a deeper and more unshakable faith than you would have ever known. Just just press on. And so it's okay that God is mysterious. It's okay that there's parts of him that that we're not going to understand. And really that's if there wasn't, then he would not be God, we would. And, and we're going to make for pretty lousy gods. And so it's a good thing that there's some mystery to who he is. But there's also mysteries that he reveals along the way. Just like in a story, you don't know the details of chapter 17 until you get to chapter 17. Right? Like you've got to read the book and see the story unfold. And that's what's happening here is God is opening and turning the page to the next chapter to reveal a mystery that they had never known before, they never saw coming. And verse 6 says, the mystery is this, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul goes right back to chapter 2. The mystery is this, that hasn't happened for hundreds and thousands of years, is that there's no longer Jew or Greek or slave or free or rich or poor or black or white or whatever. Under the name of Jesus, there's one family united together. That is the mystery. Before this, you had to become a Jew in order to be part of the people of God. You you had to become Jewish. But now Jesus says, no, no, I did all that for you. You don't have to become Jewish. You just have to follow me. You just have to trust me. He is the uniting factor now. He is what we all come together and say, Jesus alone is what we unite around. That is the mystery. This is incredible news. Because anyone and everyone now can have a seat at the table. You don't have to come clean yourself up first. You let Jesus do that work, and he'll clean you up along the way. Anyone and everyone can come and sit at Jesus and just listen and learn and watch and follow. There's not a a dividing wall of hostility that says, hey, some of you have to stay out until you get your act together. And then when you do that, you can come in. Now the invitation is come in and sit before Jesus and, and he'll do that. Matter of fact, Hebrews says that Jesus comes outside to get us and then brings us in. That's incredible news because it takes the pressure and weight off of our shoulders to perform and we can just trust that Jesus performed perfectly for us and now we just get to freely come in. Unbelievable news. Absolutely game changer. And it's not that there's, you ever, you ever been in but like not in? Like a part of a club or a team or a church and you're like, oh yeah, that's my church, but like I don't really know anybody. Like I'm not really, not really in or seen or known or yeah, I'm a part of this fraternity, but I just, I'm kind of on the outside. Like it's, a, it's an awful feeling, right? Like I'm in, but I'm not really in. No one cares about me or loves me. I'm like a second class. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm on the B team. Let's just call it JV, right? Like I, I, didn't, I didn't graduate to varsity. Like that happens all the time in life. And that happens in churches, but Jesus is saying, no, 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 there's no, there's no second tier. There's no B team or JV. 
anyone and everyone. You're, you're, a, you're a fellow heir. You're, you're, you receive the inheritance equally. There's not going to be like first degree heaven, second degree heaven, third degree heaven. Uh, some of you, like you're going to be on the fringe. No, no, no. If we follow Christ, we, we get an inheritance equally with everyone. Like heaven is all of ours. There's no different degrees. We're all members of the same body. There's not some parts, it's not like, well, the arm over here, it's more important than the leg, more important than the head. No, like, we're one body. Everybody matters. You're, you're not going to be happy if you lose a finger, right? Because it matters. Everything matters in the body. We all are partakers of the promise of the gospel through Jesus Christ. And if we've trusted Christ, we are all partakers of the full promise of Jesus. I just wonder, like, why did Paul go back to this? Like, he just talked about it in chapter 2. And he was going to say a prayer, but he got sidetracked. Like, why did he go back to this? Why did God inspire Paul to go back to this? And I think it's because we still struggle with this today. Because we, we cognitively understand Oh yeah, the grace of God is for everyone. But then in our own shame and guilt, we just kind of feel like, ah, not fully for me though. Like, the grace of God, yeah, for Paul, I mean, he's an apostle, but not, oh man, I, there's this voice inside of our heads and hearts that's like, oh, you've, you're a pretty bad person. You, you said you were going to do it differently this time, and look, here you are again. There's this voice that tells us we have to measure up. And that's just not what Paul, that's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus measured up for us. We don't have to measure up. I, I just, I think we just still struggle with this. And then not only that, I, I think we still struggle with treating people the way that this is described. Like we want to be welcoming and loving to all, but like, not if it requires my time. Like, I want to go hang out with my buddies. I don't want to go meet someone new. Not if I like have to really rub shoulders with someone who annoys me. Oh, gosh. For real? Like, I have to love that person actively? Can't I just kind of from a distance passively love that person? Like, hey, good to see you. But like, I have to actively do good to them? Or the person that has wronged you in a deep, deep way? Like I'm supposed to unite as a brother and sister with these people? Like I think Paul goes back to it because we, we just still struggle with it. There's still racism and classism and sexism and division and division and division and division because we just want to hold tightly to our preferences and we're not willing to die to ourselves and lift someone else up. And so I just think Paul's right back here again. That is not what the gospel does. And if we're recipients of that gospel, then we're called to be givers of that as well. If we're recipients of that love, then we're called to give that love. To ourselves at times, to know who we are before God, and then to others, to know who they are before God. Paul's right back here again. We're one family. 
verse 8, he says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is, like, we're never gonna, we're never gonna exhaust the wealth of the gospel. It's, it's unsearchable. The unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to life for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is the mystery. That I don't know what your story is, but I'm willing to bet that, that you and I, many of us, we have vastly different stories and we, we probably wouldn't rub, like we probably wouldn't share life together just based on other things. But under Jesus, the name of Jesus, that trumps everything else and now we're all family. So it doesn't matter where you live or how much money you make or what your skin color is or what your background is. And under Jesus, man, I see you, you see me as sinners saved by grace. We can all unite around that. That's the mystery that changed everything. But then verse 10. Verse 10 got me. I, I had never, I had never known what verse 10 says until studying for this, ever. I'd maybe, I, I'd read Ephesians, I'd maybe heard it, but it just, I just didn't know what he says. So he's given the call to preach the gospel, to bring to light everyone hidden the plan of mystery, verse 10, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You know what that says? It says that the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, the, the, the heavenly beings, that they are real-time actively learning the wisdom of God. They don't know everything there is about God. They don't, they don't know the, the, the story that God has. They, they don't know that yet. They're, they're learning real time the manifold wisdom of God. The word manifold means multifaceted, multicolored. Like there's so many layers and angles and colors and beauty of God's wisdom. And the, the, the angels and the heavenly beings are actively learning about that. They're like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. Like, are you kidding me? God, you're, this is, What? And do you know how they're learning? By watching us. They learn the wisdom of God by watching you and me. They watch the story of God in real time play out. And so for thousands of years, they're watching, they're watching David and they're watching Moses and Abraham and they're like, okay, the, these men of faith are following by faith who God is, but you gotta be a Jew to get in. You gotta be a Jew. And then, and then all of a sudden they see King Jesus, this Jesus that they've been worshiping. And they're like, what's he doing on earth? They didn't know that was coming. The heavenly beings didn't know that Jesus in humility was gonna leave his throne and come step on this planet to serve you and me. Can you imagine that? And they're like, what? what is he doing? He's coming to serve? And they're, they're watching that play out and they're like, Jesus, why are you serving those bozos? They, they don't care about you, they just wanna be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And yet Jesus gets down and he washes their feet and they're like, Jesus, time out. You're washing Judas's feet, what are you doing? They're watching all of this unfold the incredible love of Jesus. And then they're watching Jesus betrayed by his best friends and nailed to a cross. Can you imagine being one of the heavenly beings and you're like, 
What is happening right now? That King Jesus is, is nailed to a cross, and that he just took his last breath, like his heartbeat is gone? What do we do with that? And they watch him buried and wrapped in, in cloths and buried in a tomb. And, and I, what, do you, what do you think was going on during those three days? Because they don't know. They're, they're learning as it's going. And then that Sunday, J- Jesus comes alive again? Like Jesus comes alive again. And they see Peter, who betrayed Jesus in an act of cowardice, they see Peter run to Jesus, and, and I can imagine they're like, Jesus is about to lay it on him now. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't mention his sins. He doesn't talk about his betrayal. He just brings him in and cooks him breakfast. And they're watching all of this unfold, and then, and then they're learning about the grace and the wisdom of God as they watch that first church lay their lives down for the sake of the gospel. And they're watching how incredible God is because he transforms these earthly beings to live their lives for him. They're like, oh my gosh, the God, this God is amazing. That he's, he's writing this story and now every tongue and tribe and nation is getting to follow and trust Jesus. They're watching that it's not just for the Jew, it's for you and me. That we get invited into this. And they're learning about God by watching the church. And church, now it is our turn. Right now, the heavenly beings are watching you and me. What story are we telling about our God? Think about that. The heavenly beings are learning about the manifold wisdom of God. How? by watching how you and I respond and worship and give our lives to this God. What story are we telling about who God is? Do they see lives that give forgiveness in the same way that they've been forgiven? Do they see lives that love in the same way that we've been loved? Do they know more about the love of God by watching you and me? Do they see the worth and the majesty of this God in the way that we worship? I think, I think unfortunately, in, our, in, in, in the American church today, the story being told about the God of this world through the church is one of passive consumerism. I come to God for what I can get out of it. Is that the story that we're going to teach the heavenly beings? God's just a an object to be used for for my blessing? Is is that what we're going to tell? Is that what our singing says of him? Like, oh yeah, you know. Is that what our, our time in the word, is that what our obedience says of our God? Do we just want to use him as a consumer? Gosh. This baffles me that the heavenly beings are learning the character and the wisdom of God by watching us. I'd never known that before. Like I knew I was supposed to demonstrate God to to y'all, to people around me. I didn't know that I was demonstrating to the angels. What, 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 what are we telling? 
What are we telling? It's a mystery that, that we've been invited in. And that now this mystery that is being unfolded before the angels as they watch us. Man, what a privilege and what an honor. Gosh, I want to tell that story well. I want us to be a church that tells the story of who God is well. Right? Isn't that what you want? Like, isn't that what, yeah, like deep down, don't, don't you want that too? To run our race well. Looking to Jesus, the one who started it and the one who's going to finish it. That's how we run. All of this, in verse 11, was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of this is according to God's purpose. This has been his story, his design. He has sovereignly designed that you and I would be here today and form this church and that we would you welcome one another in under the name of Jesus and that we would display to the heavenly beings the manifold wisdom of God. That is his purpose. In whom, Jesus, we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. We have what we need in Christ. Therefore, don't lose heart over what Paul is suffering or what we're going to suffer. Don't lose heart. I didn't see that coming today. Like, I did not go into this week thinking, man, like, I'm, I'm living out a real-time drama for the angels to watch and to learn of who God is. I did not see coming in my own heart the challenge of forgiveness and loving people who are unlike me. I didn't see that coming. But that's what Paul tells us. And in Christ, we have all that we need to live in obedience. So don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Let's live for the glory of God. Make his name known and great in the world and in the heavens. That's something worth living for. Let's pray together. God, we are humbled and honored first that you would move near to us in love. God, a sinner um, who's actively hostile against you and yet you, you move near in love. That, that just doesn't happen outside of you. God, I, I ask and pray that you would speak to us that every person in here, no matter where we are in our journey of faith, would hear and, and see and believe the gospel today. And then God, would you build us up as a church that we would live not for ourselves, but we would live for your glory and for the good of those around us. God, would you increase in us humility that we would see that we did nothing to save ourselves. You did everything. And so we've got nothing to bring to the table except for your grace. And so would you build in us humility to then worship you, but then also love our neighbor? God, would you kill in us this, this consumeristic Christianity, if we can even call it Christianity, Father, where, we, where I approach you for what I can get out of you where my prayers are 
are mostly centered around what you can offer me. And God, would you, would you set our minds and our hearts to just delight in you and to worship you because you're worthy of it. That's it. God, meet with us here. Speak to us, change us for your glory, for, for our good and the good of those around us. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.